The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We continue looking at Elihu's response to Job today. Elihu, you may recall, was the youngest of Job's friends. He kept quiet until the end, but finally he just couldn't help himself. Elihu reminds me of some young preachers. In fact, he reminds me of myself when I was a young preacher. Sometimes I just felt like I had to say something. But I learned a lesson through my years of ministry that sometimes staying quiet is best. Now, Elihu had some good things to say. He had some good points that the others didn't make, but Elihu was still wrong. Not only was he wrong in some of the things he thought, but he was wrong in the ways that he applied the things that he was right about. Join us today as we continue looking at Elihu's response to Job. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. How
see, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, one more thing that we find in the book of James, that first chapter, that we need to understand if we don't understand anything else. Look down in verse 13. For those who would say God brings these troubles, God stirs up these troubles. Now I understand there's, there's been times when he stirred up a nation like the Babylonians to go down and to take his people captive. I get that. But generally speaking, notice that God is not stirring up temptation. He is not ever going to tempt you. And notice it says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now he's not talking about trials here. He's talking about actual temptation. But you know, that's one way we're tried, is it not? It's one way we're tried is the temptations come before us. You know, Jesus was tempted by the devil. Notice he wasn't tempted by God. <laughs> he was tempted by the devil. He was, take, he, he was taken by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by whom? By the devil. Don't say God tempted him. He didn't. God suffered it to occur. He allowed it to occur, to occur. But he says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. How are we tempted then? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. <laughs> in other words, don't mix that up. That's, that's what was happening in Job. That's what was happening in, to Job. Job was getting mixed up on some of these things. God is doing this to me. God is causing all this to happen. God is bringing this upon me. Do not err, my beloved brethren, he says. And by the way, don't be surprised by what's happening in the world. Sometimes even good solid, grounded children of God act like it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened that they're suffering in this life. In, second, in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse, chapter 4, in verse 12, he says, Beloved, and he's talking to fellow believers here, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you go back up a little ways and look back in the, in the uh, uh, earlier in this book, he'll talk, he'll talk about how that, uh, that we should, if we suffer, it should not be for sin, but it should be for doing right, for following Christ. And here's my point, and this is kind of the point that Elihu is beginning to introduce into this, into this conversation here, and it's that God suffers trials and tribulations to come upon us sometimes as a, as a corrective tool and as a constructive tool. In other words, to build us up and give us and teach us some lessons. And that's, that's what we're about to see in Elihu's teachings here and I believe that's that gets to one of the points that we've been talking about all along in the themes of, of Job and that's pride you remember we talked about God's pride in Job because he was doing better than anybody else in that day but we also talked about Job's pride and we began to see that he talked about what a mighty man he was what a great man he was and his pride began to come out and some of these trials 
uh, that God suffered to come upon him taught him that he is not quite so self-righteous as he thought he was. Notice as we kind of, we'll read a few more verses before we close tonight. In verse 15, he says, In a dream and a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. See, here's Elihu saying, you've all got it wrong. You're saying that it's all because Job sinned. Well, some of this trouble, some of these struggles may be simply uh, brought upon uh, uh, Job by God in order to kill his pride. Now, again, we know it's not brought by God, but he's saying that sometimes God does suffer things to come upon him, uh, upon us rather, to uh, teach us how that, basically to eliminate our pride. <laughs> I mean, that's my biggest problem. Is it not yours? That's my biggest problem. He talks about the pit here. He says he's trying to, uh, he's trying to keep back his soul from the pit. Now notice here too is another concept about how that God is sometimes suffers these things to come upon us to save us from something that's worse. The word pit or grave is mentioned five times from here through the end of the chapter. And in verse uh, 17 here, he says, uh, in verse 18, he's talking about uh, God's purpose and discipline is to save us from the pit by bringing us back to the place of obedience. Okay? And notice in verse 19, He chasteneth also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life abhorreth bread, his soul dainty meat, his flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were not seen stick out. Yea, his soul draweth near to the grave, and his life to the destroyers. He's talking here about suffering that will bring us often to the place of submission. In other words, it will bring us back to the point where we will, we will follow him. And I, I, I've said this already tonight, that uh, it's in the times of great suffering that I tend to go back to God. Over in, um, over in Hebrews chapter 12, notice this, the chastening of God is important in our lives. He said, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Here the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that chastening brings us back to the point where we are in line with God. You know, that's, what I, that's the purpose of spanking your children. It's not to just beat them to have the pleasure of beating them. The, play, the, the, the purpose of discipline in the home is supposed to be to correct them and to bring them back. He said, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chast chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. For the lack of time, skip down to verse 11. He says, now no chastening for the present seemeth joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That's essentially what Elihu is pointing them to. He's saying, look, you're missing the point that some of this suffering may be God's discipline or his chastening to save you from the pit by bringing you back to the place of submission to him. Now in verse 23, he says, if there be a messenger with him, 
an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness. Then he is gracious to him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Now, I, don't, I don't know here. He, 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 he mentions a messenger. He may be talking about an angel. You know, he may be talking about some kind of a guardian angel. I don't, I'm not talking about like what Hollywood gives to us, but I do believe God sends his angels to watch over us and protect us. And if he is talking about that, then he's saying that uh, uh, he's saying he's gracious to us. And he's saying to the angels, you go down and deliver him from the pit. You know, I mentioned already today about me dropping my key card, you know, and having to go back and at first being angry about it and then realizing, well, you know, maybe the Lord's protecting me from something I don't know about. <laughs> maybe, he's, maybe my delay in leaving the office uh, saved me from a wreck or something like that. I do, I believe in I believe that there is a spirit world that if our eyes could be open to see it, it would amaze us. It might even terrify us. But God's angels are out there. They're not just hiding up in heaven. And I believe God has spirits, angels working here today. I believe that. In fact, we read about it over uh, the death of Lazarus. At least two angels attended his death and bore him to the bosom of Abraham, right? You know, the angels delivered him there. But he goes on to say, His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God. He will be favorable to him. He shall see his face with joy. For he will render unto man his righteousness. You see, he's saying some of the things God is doing in our lives and some of the things that come upon us bring us back to the place where we're in harmony with God. He, that is God, looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profiteth me not. He will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. He's even going further here, saying sometimes these sufferings bring us back to a place of repentance. You remember over in the book of Romans, he tells us that the goodness of God leadeth us, leadeth us to repentance. Have you ever seen a parent that wouldn't discipline their child? And they say, I love my kids too much to spank them. <laughs> the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, that if you spare the rod, you hate your child. If you're not disciplining your child, if you're not chastening your child, you're displaying hate and not love. If God did not chasten us, then we just, as the book of Hebrews says, we would be bastards and not sons. We wouldn't be his children. See, he loves us, and he's saying here that in some situations, when this suffering comes upon us, it brings us back to the point where our flesh is fresher than a child's and return to the days of our use and pray to God and be favorable to him. And now, towards the end of this chapter, notice in verse 29, he says, Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. And this is where he really makes plain what he's saying. He's saying, Job and, and Eliphaz, uh, Zophar and Bildad, you're missing the point. All this is happening is God doing this to Job to bring him back to a place where he can be close to God. He's bringing back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. Now, I said earlier that Elihu gets it more right. And this is a different view of suffering that is more right than what the others 
were saying. They were saying, Job, all this is happening because you're a sinner and you've got some unconfessed sin and God is just piling it on me, buddy. Well, here Elihu says, no, you're missing the point. God is a loving God and he's bringing all this upon him and he's putting all this upon him in order to bring him back. But here's what we know that they don't. Remember, it's still not God doing it. It's the devil doing it. Yes, God has lifted the hedge. Yes, God has removed it. And so he's getting to a point where we can understand a little better about why God removed the hedge. But God's not stirring up all these boils and all this sickness and all this tragedy and all this. And, you know, he's not laying all this on him. Yes, he suffers it to come upon him. But you see, God doesn't have to. We live in a sin-cursed world. We have sin-cursed bodies. You want to know why somebody gets cancer? You want to know? I, listen, I understand there are times God, some of the things that occur to us are the chastening of God. But here's a little rule of thumb. If, you, if something bad happens to you and you can't figure out why, and you, you're trying to say, well, Lord, why is God doing this to me? Why is the Lord doing this to me? What's he chastening me for? If you don't know, it's probably not chastening. Because God's a better daddy than I am, and I never spank my children without telling them why. And if you've got any spiritual sense at all, God will reveal to you why these things are coming. I've been chastened by God. I've experienced his chastening, and I knew exactly why. <laughs> I knew why I was being chastened, and I knew what I needed to do to correct it too. And that's my point. If, if something's coming upon us, you know, why do we get cancer? Why do we get diabetes? Why do we... Some of it has to do with our genetic makeup, which is corrupted by sin, you see. And listen, God protects us so much from so many things. I don't know how many drunk drivers I met today and yesterday on the road. May have been a dozen, may have been a hundred. God protected me. But if one of them hit me, I couldn't blame God for it. Because it's not God causing them to get drunk and to drive, you see. But so here he's, he's, he's getting it more right. <laughs> there is a place for us to understand that the sufferings and trials that we go through do sometimes burn away the dross, burn away the hay, burn away the wood and the stubble, and try the gold in us. But even Elihu is not getting it completely right. And he says in verses 31 through 33, Mark well, O Job, hearken unto me. Hold thy peace, and I will speak. If thou hast anything to say, answer me, speak, for I desire to justify thee. If not, hearken unto me, hold thy peace, and I shall teach thee wisdom. He's continuing to, to say, Job, you need to listen to me. He's actually saying, I want you to give me some feedback, Job, but then he won't stop, stop talking long enough for him, to, for him to give it. So, you know, so don't be that way. Sometimes we're all that way. Now, let me just close by this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When we talk about this topic, I don't pretend to tell you. I don't, I don't want to ever pretend that I have all the answers. But there are, some, there are some answers given in Scripture. And there's some ways that we ought to be thinking that are suggested by Scripture. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, we read about something that came upon Paul. He said, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Now let me stop there and say, you see, Paul... There was a great temptation in his life to be lifted up in pride. I mean, you think about it. If God were speaking to me regularly, such that I was writing different books of the Bible, it would tend to make me want to say, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says, 
I don't agree with you, Chris, on this. And I said, well, who are you to talk to me when God's talking to me? You know, who are you to question me, you know? But it's a temptation to say, well, I've been called by God or I'm walking close to God and who are you to question me? Paul had that potential. But he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. I'm so, I love Paul. I love, because I know he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I love how he puts things that he never, he doesn't get it wrong. He didn't say, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. That's what a lot of people say. Oh, God gave me this thorn. No, it didn't say that. This was a messenger of Satan. He got what Job didn't. He understood what Job did not understand. This was a messenger of Satan. Satan is the afflictor of the brethren. And this messenger of Satan was given to him, lest I should be exalted above measure. And notice what happened. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And I'm sure part of his prayer was, Lord, why won't you take this away? And by the way, he doesn't tell us what the thorn in the flesh was. We can figure, you know, a lot of people speculated that it's his eyesight or some speech impediment or something else like that. It doesn't matter. We've been given all we need to know right here. And the reason I don't think he gave us an answer to what it was is because he wanted you to understand that whatever your thorn in the flesh was is just like Paul's, see. For this thing I, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And here's God's answer. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. He didn't say, well, Paul, if you just had a little more faith. Paul, if you just pray a little bit harder. Paul, if you just do a little more good works. Paul, if you just quit doing this and start doing that and lay this aside and pick this up. He just said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. He didn't mean by that that you lay down and quit. Oh, I've got the thorn in the flesh. I'm just going to lay on the couch all day. <laughs> Notice how much work Paul did. Paul was a tent maker. Paul, was, Paul traveled more than anybody else in that day that we can tell, any Christian preacher than that day, all over the Roman Empire. He kept working. And he did it not because he had so much faith that he could pray through and get God to take it away, but he had... He did it because God's grace was sufficient for him. For his strength, that is God's strength, is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, if we think that we can only serve God in the good times, then we miss the whole point of Christianity. You know, I like to serve God in the good times when I'm feeling good, when I don't have a headache, when I have had a good night's sleep, when I'm not tired, when I'm not sick. But he didn't give us a pass in those times when we are sick. He didn't give us a free pass in the times when, well, I'm just a little too tired. I just, you know, I, I've got a little something to deal with on my own. He never gave us a pass. Paul had this to deal with all the time. And he said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the concept that Elihu's hinting at, but Elihu misses the point too. He doesn't quite get it right. He still thinks God's doing these things. He still thinks that there's problems with Job, and we're going to see that as we go forward here in the next few chapters.
But I'm so thankful that, and I, I'm thankful that he's given us Elihu's account. And I'm thankful he's given us Job's account and, and the other three friends. Because one of the lessons we can learn from that is that they were struggling back then just like we are. And they didn't get it all right either. And boy, I'm so glad that in chapter 38, we're fixing to hear from God. I can't wait for that. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.